0: Meet Parker Bennett, real estate agent. Parker loves Kamloops. Parker has a background in building inspections, so he knows houses. This is the Kamloops Insider with Parker Bennett. Welcome everybody to the Camloops Real Estate Insider Podcast, episode 47. And I'm your host, Parker Bennett, here at Royal LePage Westwind Realty. we got a great guest today. Her name is Sheena Van Dyke. She comes to us from Thompson Rivers University. She is a teacher there, a lecturer. Um, she has a master's in business, business administration. And she also has her bachelor's in commerce and marketing. We are going to have a fun little chat about uh, marketing and business. We're going to talk about some of her previous experiences, flipping some businesses. And uh, we're going we're gonna to chat a little bit about the real estate industry and how, how marketing has evolved in our world of real estate. So stay tuned. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know you're a, you're a busy gal and you just got back from holiday too, right?
1: Not quite holiday. Not I quite. was actually teaching over in China um, in December and my husband and daughter joined me. So in between teaching gigs, we toured around China, getting very close to where the epicenter of the corner
0: of right and you've been Corona two awareness. weeks right you've been quarantined for two weeks oh yes <laughs> so we're not going to take on any virus then? No. um i'm sure you saw that though when you were there you probably seen a lot of the you were there at the, the time of um, the coronavirus being really taken off media-wise i think
1: it was right before uh i think i was just right before we okay. got
0: back just when it started breaking was the there year. anything that you had to do when you came back no,
1: no, no, because it hadn't broken yet. It well, I got yet. back uh, December 28th. Okay. Nice. With no signs of the flu or anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you didn't have to quarantine. No. Perfect. Um, so, how does that work out? Thompson Rivers University has sister cousin companies there? Sister, no, sister
1: university, sister university. So, they offer some courses every December and also uh, in June. And it's English speaking? It's English speaking.
0: It oh, that's is.
1: Cool. Quite a bit different than teaching here, yeah. but it's quite fulfilling. It's it's uh, a good a good gig, I guess. A good teaching c-
0: teaching experience. Um, you were in business. You were you were in business before becoming a teacher. Yes. How did you go from business to teaching?
1: Well, we sold uh, flip two businesses. And we sold the last one, and we sort of called ourselves semi-retired. We didn't quite have enough money to... We really actually needed to do one more flip. Right. Um, but an opportunity came up to teach at the uh, Thompson Rivers in the marketing area, and tourism and marketing, actually. And so I took that, and my husband tried to do some investing at home. Okay. And
0: like, I enjoyed like the... Like stocks? Yes. Okay, not real estate? No, stocks. Okay.
1: And, um, I enjoyed it. And then you, you, you get in and all of a sudden what is semi-retired, you're working full time and <laughs> <Taking>
0: <laughs> and, it home and it's the l-
1: longest job I've ever had, <laughs> right. yeah. but
0: it's very fulfilling. Fulfilling would be the key word there. Yeah. Um, tell me about teaching at TRU. Um, there's a difference between, this is something I don't understand, a professor and a lecturer. A lecturer has like the experience, but not the credential.
1: I'm actually even going to correct you further. Okay, good. There's a difference. I'm actually not a lecturer. Okay. I'm an, uh, they're changing titles. I was a continuing sessional, which means I continue to be a <laughs> sessional instructor, which means I work by contract. Okay. They're switching that uh, uh, in the new agreement to an uh, a l- instructor. Okay. So I will be a university instructor. Then if you go into the um, tenure track, yep. which means you're full-time, um, then you become a lecturer, and then all these different ranks in the promotion. I see. So yes, there is a difference in credentials. Usually, to be a full professor, you have a PhD. PhD. So I always say, I only have a master's, and I say that outside the university, and people, we only have a master's. But at <laughs> <laughs> the university level,
0: <laughs> I only have a master's. And you do you have you have more than and you have a bachelor and a couple other things.
1: I have a bachelor's in business and actually a ma- uh, uh, an MBA.
0: Okay, perfect. It's good, well-rounded, to be flipping businesses.
1: Yes. Well, a sessional instructor is usually one that has at uh, least a master's and a lot of years' experience, and I have a lot of years' experience.
0: Right. Do you find, and I don't want to put you on the spot here, but do you find that maybe a professor doesn't have the experience? Oh, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> I'll put you on the spot.
1: <laughs> I'm not answering that. Okay.
0: Let's move on. Um. In your previous endeavor, you flipped some businesses. I want to know about that.
1: Well, I had the uh, opportunity to get a golden handshake. So I was in um, strategic planning, new business development, actually, for a large corporation. And they were going through some downturns at the late um, uh, 90s. Okay. And I almost hid because it was a beautiful handshake, really good package. And we identified, uh, my husband loved VC I'm from Alberta originally, and he loved, every time we came to BC, and we, oh, I love BC, I hate leaving. So we decided to look for a tourism business, because we both had experience in tourism, and we looked around, and we identified three locations in BC that I felt had not, um, uh, were under underdeveloped. Okay. So the real estate values were, there was a chance of improving. Right. In those
0: areas. You weren't looking for a business that had the right ROI already in place. You're going to pay a premium for it.
1: No, I was looking for a business that was underutilized and in a location in the tourism that was a growing opportunity. Right. Because usually if a place is already popular in tourism, the real estate prices already reflect that. Right. So I identified three. That was Revelstoke, um, Clearwater, and Valemont, actually.
0: Right. Three good ones. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which have proven to increase in value.
0: Completely, Yeah. Revelstoke, is, is insane. Yes. The real yes. estate prices there are incredible. I just had a client who sold here in Kamloops and moved there and what they sold and left behind here, they have no, like they can't touch that in Rebelstock. Part of me wishes we hadn't sold that business, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you know,
1: part of it is lifestyle and, and excitement. You have to live your life. You can't wait until sure. the, the, the prices go up. So
0: now that was a lodge, right? We,
1: it was, um, a motel really. Okay. And um, so it was just 18 rooms. We got our, our uh, you know, get the experience in there. We took my package and uh, put it towards the the real estate and some interesting stuff there. Financing wise, people don't realize what you can do when you're buying commercial properties. We actually asked the previous owner to uh, make a note for a year. Yep. So, and so he took technically a second mortgage on it and beautiful system. We did that when we sold our next one too. Mm -hmm. So we did some creative financing, took over the lodge, turned it around, took about two years. Yep. And then, like we were talking, an entrepreneur, I got bored (laughs) and we found another opportunity and flipped that one. That one took a little
0: longer. So what, let's go back to the, to the um, Monashy Lodge. Mm-hmm. What were some of the key things that you did that turned that business around?
1: Well, I was looking at technology. The previous job I was at, uh, the internet was just coming in. So right. you're looking at an internet pioneer, right. uh, a digital marketing pioneer. I hate to say that, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is. <laughs> the concepts have an ear, but I fell in love with the internet. When right. I had to start studying it from a marketing perspective, what a tool to use. So first thing I did was, of course, put up a website, um, put us uh, first non-franchise motel with an online reservation system. Right. And then you figure out your target market. What do they want? Right. Well, in the winter, it was snowmobilers. And what did snow, snowmobilers, the most question I ever got asked on the pho- phone, how's the snow? Right. So I put up one of the first webcams. Oh, from cool. our, our lodge window, we looked at this guy's roof. So they could see. Yes. And I just put some cute things. If it's cl- uh, if you can't see the house, it's cloudy. <laughs> or <laughs> if it's snowing. I actually had A an email. Pioneer e- in the weather industry. Yes. <laughs> I actually had an email from the weather department in, in Kelowna saying, can you change the timing on your camera? So they, because we were one of the first, they were actually looking at our camera to see the weather in Camloops.
0: Oh, wow. Oh. I mean, I know that's
1: commonplace now, but it's just but You're when there just,
0: wasn't all that infrastructure in the internet.
1: No, yeah. but it's the, the rules don't change. You see what's happening in regards to marketing and technology. Yep. What can I do to better satisfy my client? And that's what we did. We that that was the most popular thing for snowmobiliers. snowmobilers. I'd get emails your your webcams down. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I would think that, like, parking and secure parking would be another one that we get asked a lot.
1: Oh, yes. That one, um, we fortunately, the, the, the yeah, that's a big th- theft of snowmobiles then was quite pronounced. Right. Parking, we had to figure out parking. Um, we, uh, what in summer was graveled so that it looked nice with plants on it. Right. And then in wintertime became a
0: parking lot. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Just plowed out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different world in winter. We were having a good winter discussion before you came in. Um, yeah. There's only four seasons in a year, so you better like winter because it's going to take up you know a good portion of your life, especially if you live in Cantloops. um okay, so you flipped that business mm-hmm. you gained some expertise in the tourism business field, yeah, and you put that to work in a in a campground
1: well, it was a campground motel um this business had, he had big ideas, the guy that owned it, and he went bankrupt. We did not buy it out of bankruptcy, but the next guy bought it thinking he could... Save it? S- yeah. No, flip it. Flip really. it, Really, okay. buy it at a low price and flip it, but he couldn't. He, he didn't know how to do it. He right. just can't buy the property thinking um, just because the value, they say it could be worth that. Right. It has to have some... some um, monetary value to it mm-hmm. income coming in yeah so we uh figured it put a plan together and figured out how we wanted to grow and we had four profit centers and um yeah
0: cool did you have a store
1: we did have a store that again was a new learning buying right. going to uh, trade shows figuring out what customers like of course retail retail what yep. works what doesn't work uh we started a restaurant um o- reopened that and
0: learned was, a lot from was that. Was the restaurant, like, successful?
1: Our thing, we call it a profit center, but really restaurants are hard business. Roger And that. we weren't open for the whole time, so we only had it open three three months a year. What we wanted to do was um, pay for itself, right. which it did, because we wanted the experience for the campers and the motel people.
0: It was but, an attribute for the rest of the business. Yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And
0: it fed us. It was very good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, okay. And I assume, so what year was it? Like, give me the era.
1: That would have been
0: 2000, ooh, 2003
1: to 2008.
0: Okay. So this is heavy internet use now. Everybody's got internet now at this point in time.
1: Well, again, I decided to try it for camp, campers yep. and I was too early. I set up a whole, um, online reservation system for campers and I had two reservations.
0: Oh, wow. That
1: because it wasn't, wasn't accepted. It wasn't accepted then. Yeah. Um, but then, by the next year, we had joined KOA. They had a more loyal following. They trained their campers to use the online reservation system. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we, we uh, of course, used their property management system and, and got the reservations that way.
0: Can you explain, KOA? Campgrounds of America. I get that. Explain how that works. Well, it's
1: a franchise, just as similar as any franchise. Um, I was a little concerned because when you join a franchise you lose a little bit of control right You yeah. can't do it things the way you want. So there was more concern on my part. My husband had looked at this before when we were in uh, before he'd like to operate a campground. he thought KOA was a good one. And so when I investigate it further, I look at their marketing, what they offer. Right. As a marketer, and they could really access the European market much better than we could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they advertise to the Europeans, and I don't know if you've ever noticed, but we get a lot of um, RV rentals. Right. And mm-hmm. they come from uh, Germany and uh, Dutch were the two big ones, but upcoming other areas. Right. So they could do that for us. And when I really looked into it, the expense of going to a franchise, they offer you their expertise. For example, we were debating, where do we put a pool? Where do we put a pool? Do we put it up here? Because we didn't know, right? Mm -hmm. The KOA guy comes to investigate, and he says, the pool goes right here. Wow. And we're like, oh, man, how could we not even have thought of that? Right. But we were thinking, oh, we already had a cement patio there. We can't disrupt the patio. And he says, you got to tear it up. The pool has to go here. That's the location. That's the location. So their advice was, was... extremely valuable. So my, my um, view of a, a franchise really changed. The, the advice they gave us was was so helpful right. that the campground was pretty well full. That's good. During the high season
0: from then on. Is there any correlation to the idea that Clearwater just became a more popular destination or it was like a travel corridor? Like, Did you time anything that just okay. happened to be correct?
1: I, I actually joined the cl- uh, cl- Chamber of Commerce and the Clearwater um, yep. Tourism to, to help uh, make put Clearwater on the map. And one time, I was actually at a uh, term association meeting, and, and they were saying, "Where are you from?" I said, "Clearwater." He says, "Oh, where's that?" I said, "On the way to Jasper." He says, "Well, I stopped at a KOA there once." I said, "That's Clearwater." <laughs> yeah,
0: that's our place. So,
1: franchises. One of the things people don't realize is they actually put places on the map too. Because yeah. Because so if you get a franchise hotel now, right? Which I believe has happened. I'm not sure, but even thing. That actually places that on the map.
0: Because so. if you're, like, searching on Google Maps and stuff like that, you get those little icons, which, right?
1: hmm
0: Even if you're, like, on Google Earth, there's a lot of franchises that pop up on Google Earth as, an, as a little icon, and you click on it, and it goes to that image, and it, right? Yeah.
1: Well, there, if there's a franchise there, there must be something to see.
0: There's something to pay for. Yeah. Something
1: to pay for. And Clearwater, if you've never been there... Absolutely an amazing area. Wells Gray Park. I think it's a, a well-kept secret from Canadians. I agree. The Europeans know it. Yeah. And that's why we wanted to capitalize on that. But it is well worth the time and effort to get there.
0: Not that I'm going to try and compare uh, my recent vacation to a trip to Wells Gray. But one of the big things that I like about Wells Gray is that you can still sneak away. Like if you're on a trail, you can still be on a trail by yourself or yeah. like spaced enough apart from other users that, you know, you still feel like you're getting a great northern experience, right?
1: Well, that was one of the things when we uh, st- um, were running the campground and motel, we realized what does our client need? We used to lend them our uh, guidebooks right. for Wells Gray Park. And as a, 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 not a trick, but then I put it up on the web is you need more than one day. Oh, perfect. So that the average stage went from one to two days. Because they got of, to experience it all. Because they, yes, yeah. you know, this is what you can see, the itineraries. And then we just did some promotion desk uh, material so that they know what to see.
0: It's interesting because we just came back from Kauai and I remember um, booking an Airbnb there. And the guy says, what do you want to do? And we explained to him that we want to do some hiking. And he said, you're going to need 10 days. <laughs> I never really thought about that, but yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> well, if you put that okay. on your website enough, that's... That, That becomes the norm. Yes, that becomes the norm. And then all of a sudden it puts a thought into your your prospective client's mind. How many days do I need? Right. You just got to get them to your website.
0: It's like Vegas. You only need three days because the (laughs) body can only handle three days.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But I could handle 10 days in Hawaii. (laughs)
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay. So did you use a realtor when you sold that business? Yes. You did? Yes. How was that experience?
1: It was very good. I'm going to backtrack a little bit why we got a good deal on the property in Clearwater because they did not use the proper realtor.
0: Interesting. They left a little money on the table.
1: Yeah, they left money on the table. Well, and uh, it was languishing for over a year on the real estate books because they used a realtor that was not familiar with how to sell commercial property. So, my husband took the uh, had searched and searched and searched, and because we were looking again, I identified those three spots. Right. But I always look at that, and well, you got to make sure you you have to interview your realtors, and 100%. do they know the the target and who, who that needs to go after for commercial property? So we actually went with a commercial realtor.
0: Right. Did you like? Did you interview multiple realtors? Couple. A right.
1: couple. We knew who we didn't want to use more than we... <laughs> than who <you> wanted. <laughs> than who we, who we wanted.
0: Right. To. Process of elimination. Yeah. Okay, this, this is not going to work out. Um, I've been involved in some commercial real estate deals, um, selling real estate and also buying real estate. And it's amazing how little some people get when they with the tools that they have getting into a business, how much more... Um, important it would be to work with an agent that's actually owned a business Mm -hmm. because there's like so many like little hoops financing wise, um, you know, like the financial statements usually aren't fully complete. (laughs) So it's like good to be able to diagnose a financial statement and, and figure out where all the missing pieces are.
1: I teach that.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah. (laughs) How to identify the missing portions of the financial statement. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I've seen lots of commercial properties just for sale, but by regular residential realtors and not sure that's the greatest idea. Yeah.
1: Well, they're not hitting the the people that really want to, um, buy commercial real estate. It's a different target market. Yes. Mm -hmm. So you, you have to pick your realtors who, where, where are people going to find that information? Right. Do you show up? Yeah. I,
0: you know. Do you show up? Mm -hmm. It's a good quote. Um, Here's another thing, and I don't know if this is intentional or not, but there is a lot of commercial properties, uh, especially like leased properties, that that are not uh, online because mm-hmm. they they know that their target market is not going to be an internet shopper, and they target differently. And you just if you're like trying to help somebody out find a location or a piece of real estate, it's just not as easy as www. Right? You just don't know that market. It's just not you're not not going to hit on it, right? That's kind of interesting. Um, so where'd you go from, from there? So you sold the business.
1: Yeah. So we did um, quite well on that business. Yep. We really should have done another flip and then we could have totally retired. But we, because um, uh, when, you're, when you're sometimes a, a, an entrepreneur or a, or a small business owner, you're, you work long hours. Mm-hmm. Now, for the one in Clearwater, we only work six hours, six, sorry, six months a six year. Six months a year. Uh, And then you have to answer emails and everything, set things up the rest of the time. So we did a bit of traveling. So it was a perfect, perfect business. Good cash flow on that one. And but I got sort of bored. We either, (laughs) not so much bored. We either had to invest another large uh, sum of money because it had come to the the state that uh, we, we didn't have enough. We weren't big enough anymore. We had built it so that we had to put in more RV sites and build it. So we either had to put in a large chunk of investment or sell. So we decided to sell and, and take it easy. And um, that's how I ended up teaching at the TRU. They had an opportunity there. So after we sold, I, I took that one.
0: If you did another flip, um, would it be like similar? Like would you, do, would you be looking for campground motel? Oh, hospitality.
1: I think about that sometimes. Because I feel very comfortable investing in another campground motel. That's, that's the, I, I know what, what to do there. Right. But there's a part of me that wants to challenge to start a online business. Right. Because that's, I, I fell in love with the internet and what could I do online right. to sell? Maybe hmm. I can mix
0: the two. <laughs> sure. Now you teach an online marketing program.
1: No, I teach nope. intro to marketing.
0: In- no. Okay. No. Do you, and I read online that you taught a course called, um, was it called? How to sell or?
1: Professional selling. Professional selling. Oh yeah. I still teach that. So it was one of my favorite courses. What's that all about? Well, professional selling, you go through the sales, six steps of the sales process, okay. but it's, it's actually quite a popular course because the first part of the course you're looking, being a sales rep takes some confidence. So we look mm-hmm. at some personal development, uh, communication styles of yourself and uh, possible customers yep. so that you communicate better. So we look at that. Disk analysis?
0: The,
1: yeah. Actually, we use a different one, but it's very similar to the okay. disk. Yeah. And um, so we look at that in the first half of the semester. Then we move on to the actual sales, uh, you know, the approach qualifying and the needs analysis. Okay. Thing.
0: So. Um, Do you get uh, real estate agents to take that course or is that like you have to be in a program for that course? uh,
1: Usually you're in a program. You're in the the business. It's a third year level, so you just can't take it. just
0: can't jump into it. You just
1: can't jump into it. Uh, Can I thank all the sales agents in Canloops for for their help? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I send a mass of students every year, (laughs) twice a year actually, uh, to interview salespeople to actually get their view on how it is being a sales rep and, um, they're really good interviews, very interesting to real read. And a number of them are real estate agents.
0: Right. Yeah. Good. We talked about this before the podcast, but, um, actually I'm going to hold off on that. We're going to get to real estate in a minute. <laughs> um, let's, let's dive back to <clears throat> the TRU just for a sec. Do you think marketing is changing? Um, and I don't want to say from like the seventies and eighties to now, but, Outside of the internet area with social media marketing is such a, a large factor in, I guess, in the growing market for most businesses. How is it changing for the teaching style? Are you, are you guys keeping up? Do we talk social media? Or do we?
1: Of course we talk social yeah, media, okay.
0: talk digital. Um,
1: now. I'll go back to the introductory to marketing course, which I also taught, not the upper levels. But at introductory, the basis of digital marketing and social media marketing, the concepts have not changed. The actual concepts of marketing, which is your target market, what are their needs? How do they find information? What are they looking for? Those concepts haven't changed, whether the internet is just a medium, such as television was a medium. That took over from radio you know, and now the internet is taking over over from television. But what people need and want haven't changed. And if you understand consumer behavior, what they're looking for, you can still put a really solid marketing strategy together, whether it be online or offline.
0: What about the difference of value in your marketing compared to the days of previous, like, okay, I'm going to give you an example. My target market is a 35-year-old single female with one child. Let's say you can reach that market through social media Mm -hmm. and I'm just in front of you. Just bang, a banner ad compared to um, a more value approach where you are contributing to content. That's a value that naturally flows in the direction of that target demographic.
1: I think you have to do a combination. Okay. I mean... The value, the, the I, I call it the biggest bang for your buck. The yep. internet gives you a bigger bang for your buck if right. you're really good at doing it. You know, when we, in our business, even just starting out, the internet played a vital role in our success. Absolutely. And because I knew how to use it and and uh, put it to use, my marketing budget was quite a bit lower.
0: You weren't just happened. playing. Uh, what was the first game? Pac-Man. The herp,
1: herp. No, no, it wasn't that long ago. Okay, it's not that long ago. <laughs> you know.
0: That was my first computer. Well, <laughs> that was in the
1: 80s, absolutely. Yeah. But by the 2000s, yeah. the Internet started to be used. Um, so social media and advertising, you... How do you get that? Um you can on advertising get right down because you can click all these boxes when you yep. buy a Facebook ad mm-hmm. you can get right down to that single mom with one child in yeah. the Camloops area you can you know segment your market to that degree so
0: in that, an affordable manner
1: yeah, in very affordable man- yeah. manner very affordable so compared to tv it is more Form, um affordable and more precise and that's why most if you look uh, on, on at advertising budgets now even with a big company the mo- the money is going into the internet yeah so and for content versus content you got to drive people to your site and the content is going to have you ever read Seth Godin yes tribes mm-hmm. that's what content does sure. he, he's saying let's Get a loyal following. Build a community. Yes. Build a community. Make sure that um, you're giving them content, something that they want to join your tribe. Right. I'm not sure if I like the word tribe, but it it tells you who that loyal following is. And it gives the example of a plumber. Right. I mean, who would think a plumber needs social media, but he gets people and they want to join his tribe because every two months... He has a social event, right? And all the plumbers and get to go to this social event and talk plumbing mm-hmm. if they like to talk about it.
0: We just talked about um, on social media somebody that I follow that um, got some business for me in a very unique way. Um, is a drywaller, and he does a lot of content on unique drywall techniques. And I like I dabble in home <laughs> renovation, but I wouldn't say that drywall would be something I would ever like lean towards. But I'm like. Always fascinated by the stuff he's doing, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he's not even in our province. He's an Alberta guy. And I have a buddy building houses in Alberta who mentioned to me. I, I mentioned to him, "Do you use this guy for your drywall?" And he says, "No, but I know him." I'm like, "Well, you should try him out." And he's like, "You know him?" I'm like, "Well, I follow him on social media." He's like, "Just entertaining." <laughs> so he gives him a crack, and the next thing you know, he's got a new drywaller on his team for, you know, like they build five or six houses a year, and I. That reach is so fascinating to me, right? Like the community that he built attracted mm-hmm. me, which yeah. was not even... I was a mediator. I was in the middle, middleman to, to the final sale, right?
1: Someone that stands out and really grabs yeah, Yeah. And then, of course, putting my business hat on, does not make... Does it... Do you profit from it? Right. Or is it a... Uh, a, a pet project so you always have to look at the, your social media strategy your digital marketing strategy is it bringing you in customers right. is it bringing you in some some profit or is it building more loyalty to those that you have so it's
0: it's fascinating
1: it is I, <laughs> yeah. it's so fascinating I'm not sure I like where it's going privacy wise right but the tools used for marketing are just amazing
0: So do you think our iPhones listen to us? Do you think our phones listen to us? Yes. Okay. I Mm -hmm. I just verified this because we were in a real estate uh, tour last week and um, we were talking about uh, modular pools, the CCAN conversion pools, which I have never given one hint of thought about. Until I started the next day, I started seeing it come up on my uh, Instagram feed, mm-hmm. and I was like, "This is insane."
1: <laughs> my friend laid off, got laid off, and uh, she was looking at retirement, and because she was bridged till retirement, and all of a sudden, I started getting retirement ads right up on my thing. So, I I'm in dual thing. I love it as a marketer, really exciting. As a consumer, I got
0: some you got some worries. I got some yeah.
1: issues, so. I mean, this there's one coming up. Would you like to know one of the ones that should be in place in about a year? Yeah. You know, when you watch streaming of uh, a movie or anything like that, well, there's have you ever heard of product placement? Mm-hmm. So that just means if uh, Simon Cowell's doing the X Factor, you'll see a Coke the Coke found,
0: bottle, mm-hmm. you know.
1: And then when he moves someplace else, maybe it's Pepsi. Right. But anyway, it's where they put something in a movie or a TV show, and now it is going to be. They can stream it on a movie based on you. So if they're sitting watching TV... They can change it. They can change it right. to something that appeals to you as that thing. And I'm like, whoa. It's mind-boggling, the, the technology. Entire, the
0: entire movie is definitely going to be on their green screen. Yeah. Yeah, you won't need locations anymore. Well, they,
1: when they, oh. they were showing the example of a car passing a blank screen, and then when you see it the next time, it says Dunkin' Donuts. Right. So I
0: was just, Wow. So when they unveiled the Tesla truck, not too long ago, um, I think I watched every video for a week on, you know, the demos, mm-hmm. but then I started, and I, I saw an ad or two come through my feeds, but then I started chatting with people and had said that my next truck will be the Tesla truck. I just want them to get their kinks or, you know, worked out and see what the warranty's like, but that's going to be my next real estate vehicle. And now I am just like inundated Bombarded. with Tesla ads. Mm-hmm. It's a, and I know there's a little portion of it that's like, because you're aware of it, you might see it more, but it is definitely, they're definitely attacking me. <laughs> well, it's called retargeting. Mm-hmm. So, Well, when you click on a video, for sure, because they're going to retarget Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, any other business ventures you got rooting around?
1: Well, I mentioned one to my students and I'm really thinking uh, uh, of doing it was, um, Feet problem, starting an online... I mentioned online store. Well, yeah. one for, for problem feet. Okay. And my new product would be a bunion sock. And okay. I told that to my young students, and their, their excitement over it was zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if you've never Not had a problem... <laughs> yeah. But you're meeting a need, right, for yeah. a certain target. So uh, still twisting that around.
0: That's the beauty of, of internet is how niche you can go. Yeah. And Absolutely. And you can go so deep because... The reach is on, un- it's just well, limitless, right? You can go anywhere.
1: And you can check to see what people are actually. If you do, do Google Ads, you go on there, the Ad, Google AdWord Planner. There's other ones out there yep. that you can see how many people are looking for that search term. Right. Is there a need for it? I call those indications of interest because they're not proper valid sources because Google doesn't tell you its algorithm
0: for right. how they it figures it. it out. Yeah. When so, people, enough people figure it out, they change it.
1: Yeah. But it's a great way if you're thinking of uh, where are people looking to go or something,
0: look at uh, what search terms they're looking for yeah. on the internet. And for minimal amounts of money, you can do some tests.
1: Absolutely. And
0: see what what shakes from it, right? Absolutely. Do you breed entrepreneurship in your courses? Do you think that... I took an entrepreneurship program at Caribou College, and I, I didn't complete it. I started a business. And the folks that... that I would say I was a mature student because I came back after eight years of being out of school to take the program. And so I was sort of placed with, you know, I was 24, 25 years old and I was with 17 and 18 year olds that were, you know, still waiting to get their access to the liquor license and going into pubs and clubs, right? The environment I was in was interesting because everybody was going to be a top CEO, build the next, you know, everyone was going to be Zucks, right? Mm But I see a lot of these folks that ended up more business job placement positions. Mm-hmm. Do you see that? Do you see, do you see kids that you're teaching and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start the next Instagram. And then?
1: Well, I, I think there's a big difference between areas. So I, I teach new product development, but that's actually a management class to get a new product through, the, the, through a big company. Okay. But entrepreneurship, which is a different area, that's supposed to be disruptive technology, way out there products, things like that. Even if you do that, like I, I if you give me a problem, I can come up with 10 products for you. I love thinking of new products. Yep. It's fun. But it, you still have to know how to get it through the systems. I think the big idea that's disruptive will always get financing. But if it's just your smaller idea, you still have to go through... The process of putting together a marketing plan or a business plan. And that makes your mind be able to work out the kinks and the strategy. I think they're just a thought process. Okay. And then it puts some numbers behind it because the banks and and people that are lending you money still want to see a
0: business plan. hundred percent.
1: So without knowing how to do that, you you have trouble um, getting the funding.
0: Let me back you up for a bit. I'm gonna challenge you on something. You said an entrepreneur, like define entrepreneurship. There's no real definition. I don't care what the Wikipedia says.
1: I think an entrepreneur is somebody that loves the challenge of getting a business started. Okay. That loves the idea of figuring it all out. To get this thing out into the world. A small business person, which I have gotten to, is somebody that runs a small business and likes getting it, works well, builds it up. And um, enjoys it, but an entrepreneur, I, I actually believe, an entrepreneur sort of gets bored after a little while. It's like a comfort zone. Would you say? The entrepreneur is a comfort. No, the no, entre- no. The small business. Small business a comfort is more zone. of a comfort zone. Yes. and stepping outside of it. An entrepreneur really. Yeah, I think will take that risk.
0: I think the business owner likes to work in the business, and an entrepreneur likes to work on the business.
1: Yes. Well, there you go. Right. It's about the idea.
0: The idea. It's about the idea. and I would say that there's a whole lot of traits and characteristics that come from that where it becomes like an obsessive situation.
1: Well the entrepreneur might actually not be the best person to keep a business running.
0: No hundred <laughs> percent you you want one to start mm-hmm. and you want to have reins on them if well, it depends. I mean like if you look at a disk assessment, right if you're trying to characterize, partnerships in a business I think that having two different different halves would make a would be a good way to start off right anyways we're rounding off here I have um, I want to move into real estate mm-hmm. I want your opinions on some things I value your opinion I enjoyed this conversation appreciate you coming in um, here's a fact you may or may not know city of Kamloops has made up of probably approximately 77,000 acres of city land -hmm. Okay. Um, There's approximately 37,000 dwellings. There is around 100,000 people in the area. Okay. A little less. Just under 300 agents, real estate agents. That ratio puts us at, oh, and there's each year there's probably about around 3,000 dwellings that change hands. I think last year we were at 2850 or something like that. Just under 3,000. So, if we look at that in a perspective of a ratio um, two point seven people per household these aren't stats. they did like my research here mm-hmm. this isn't like mm-hmm. stats can't um, one in a hundred one realtor for every hundred and twenty five dwellings and one in one realtor for every three hundred and thirty two people okay just to give you some perspective we have three hundred agents if you look at some other Markets, bigger markets. Vancouver, the U.S. Minister. That number is higher.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like we could actually have more agents. I actually believe that. And you would never hear a realtor say that. Realtor mm-hmm. is never going to say that. Okay, <laughs> less, less is better. So I and I I love the idea that you become a real estate agent. There's a fairly limited barrier to entry compared to like buying a campground, right? You need all kinds of money. You need. Um, you need somebody with financing to loan that money to buy into the idea, or you maybe borrow it from the seller, which is a great option. Um, so I've, I've broken down three eras of marketing, real estate mm-hmm. marketing, okay? And then I'm going to tie this in later with agents and how we could improve maybe. Maybe we'll come up with a solution today on how to improve or where the market is going to go for real estate agents. In the early years, which I call the pre-internet era, th- that ranged from like the beginning of time right up until 1990s, 19, late 80s. Internet kind of hit the mark, early 90s, I would say.
1: Mm, more late 90s.
0: More late 90s in a, in a macro sense, where everybody sort of had a computer. Yeah. Marketing consisted of being in the right place at the right time. Right. Just having a license, someone will find you. You'll be able to sell them a house. Um, newspaper, print ads, primarily the only source of media. And I've spoken to an agent who's 50 years in the biz, who lived the era. So I was super curious to know, you know, how how did people find the right property? What's interesting is that th- the right property was just a property that they could afford. They didn't have the luxury. Okay. Let me back it up. This is a really old book that I found that is like the first hundred years. And you can't see it if you're listening to the podcast, but it's Kamloops real estate. The first hundred years, there's some ads in here that were the primary ads that they mm-hmm. would use in, in media for newspaper. It's really interesting. Um, three bedrooms, kitchen, living room, home in Kamloops. That was it. That was the marketing. Like has a roof. Has a door, three windows. <laughs> Do you want it or don't Yeah. <laughs> Which is super interesting because in that era, we we didn't have all the luxuries. We didn't have all the you, you know, it had to be this subdivision, that subdivision. Gammus only had one subdivision. It was downtown or nothing. Mm-hmm. Everywhere else was a farm, right? Um The radio didn't exist for realtors in that agents didn't promote themselves. They weren't saying like, hey, use me number one realtor or use me. I'm great in this area of real estate. It was just, I have a house. This is it. Call me. That's how you got, that's how the market worked. Realtors were also insurance agents. Your license as a realtor gave you that same license. It was the same license. You sold insurance, house insurance. I didn't know that. Life insurance. It all tied together, which is, I don't know how that became to be, but that's how it was. Um, In Kamloops, there was an early real estate company named Block Brothers, and they were two brothers that were from 100 Mile House, I believe. Um, And to get some perspective, you didn't have a REMAX and a Royal LePage. In the early years, like in the early 1900s, all the way up to like into the 80s, you had land developers were real estate companies. They had 2,800 acres of land and they were going to build houses. They brought the builders in, they subdivided, they did the land development and they sold it. Like they would sell their properties. Mm-hmm. That was the primary, there, was, there wasn't a, a, an agent source that didn't have any land. If you're a real estate company, where was your properties? Like where did your land come from? It wasn't until 1950 that the MLS service became valid and there was really no, it didn't have a whole lot of value yet because we were still looking for properties directly through an agent. In the 80s, where multiple listing services became uh, they, they ended up with a book with all the listings in it from all the brokerages. That's the first time the MLS service really had any value where you could go attain one of these books and sort of shop your single images.
1: Hmm.
0: Photography, useless. There was no medium to give it. So you had one picture, if any. Most of the time you just had a, a statement that indicated what your and the only value a realtor had was to know as much about. All the properties as possible, mm-hmm. so that was real estate in the old days. But then we had the internet come. For me, it was like 1996 is when I logged on to the first time, dial up. <laughs> <It> dial <laughs> <had> up, <laughs> sh- <Yeah. laughs> right? Um, and that was the the time that every I mean every every market and business changed because of the reach. But this is the time that consumers now got informed about properties. They got to see market data outside of their local newspaper. Um, This is when, as an agent, you had to show some value, right? Why me? Mm -hmm. Because now there's all these agents I can choose from. I don't just know that one gentleman that lives down the way that we get our insurance from. Um, This is really changing times for real estate agents. And then the fact that you could shop online, you could look at pictures. Photography became advantageous. Now we're in a social media area, mobile era, where I think most people are shopping on their phones. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So digital marketing is greatly improved. Target marketing is now a thing. Um, as real estate agents, I think you need to be creative. You need to actually show value, not only as an agent, but you need to show you, how do I show value of, of my product, the house that I'm listing? So I don't know if we've really done that leading up to this time in era.
1: Well, I, I'm going back even just for professional selling. Adding value to the, to the process in any sales is the key thing for a sales rep now. And that value means that you know everything that there is to know about the real estate market in Camloops or whatever area you're doing. And that's your job, to keep up with that. You need to know, and then you need to know particular consumers, especially your consumer, and what, everything about them. What are their needs? What are they looking for? It's, it actually takes a lot of work to get all of that understanding together because I can go online as a consumer and just look at all the houses myself. Yeah. But they've tried that, and people still want to use a realtor. Because yeah. it's a huge, big decision. You have more knowledge. You might have the knowledge, and you have to have the knowledge, what to look for in a house, what to look for. The, is the floor slanted? Is there a problem? Do we even want, you know, to, because by the time you pay a home inspector, that's money.
0: Yeah, you want the realtor pocket.
1: to take out the, the nonsense ones beforehand. Yeah, And so that adds a huge amount of value, and you have to upkeep that. What are you looking for? I think you, you have to even get better. the value you're doing what are you looking for in a home i try to find out maybe you can tell me right now we're renovating what will happen to my house price whether i put in hardwood which is beautiful i love hardwood or the easier to keep waterproof vinyl planking that i can run still into the bathroom and into the kitchen
0: i know what the flooring guy will tell you
1: (laughs) (laughs) nobody could tell me
0: okay what is the answer There's so many factors to that. That would be like, let's say this. If you have an outdated house, Mm -hmm. let's say you have a completely original 1970s home and you walked in with your flooring guy and you tore up the shag green, you know, forest green carpet Mm -hmm. and you put in $27 cherry wood hardwood flooring. Mm -hmm. The value of that home probably hasn't gone up anything. Because you haven't put the package together. Mm -hmm. Someone will say, I love the flooring, but I don't like the kitchen. It's just God awful ugly. So it's like you can put pieces together. Now, if you took the same amount of money that you spent on the flooring and you just totally renovated a bathroom, now you're going to see some value return on that. And you know, I'm saying nothing on the hardwood. Sure. Something, but not what you put in, not 50 cents on your dollar. It would be less.
1: So we just went through that, and it's hard to find. So that's the value of a realtor. So if I had a mm-hmm. realtor, yeah. um, which might not. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't, I couldn't phone him. He he was no longer available. Right, and I would have phoned him up and asked him,
0: "What's your opinion?" Yeah,
1: yeah. What's your opinion? So that's what you need to do when you um, you have that connection. A realtor now is a relationship.
0: Sure. It's not mm-hmm. a one-time
1: sale. It's a relationship. So when I have a question about my house, you're my guy I phone.
0: Real estate consultant for life. Well,
1: exactly. that's exactly the way it should be. But that's what has to become because this is a scary, you know, the huge, the risk factors. Yeah. If you looked at the perceived risk behind a person of what stops them making a decision, there's all this little stuff in the back of their head that's sort of scary. What happens? What if? What if? What if? And if you don't get past that and a real estate, a good real estate agent will work, work through all that little mind chatter in your mind about the risks, yeah. about the hot water heater breaking, about the financing, about the insurance. You need somebody with that value to lead you through a very, not scary, but concerning prospect. Because this is the biggest purchase you're going to make in your life. That's where a realtor adds value. And if they don't add that value, then they shouldn't be in the
0: business. hmm what, okay, we talked a little bit about on maybe on the buying side or preparing to be a selling side, but, but let's talk about the product. Mm-hmm. So there's three agents. They're lined up, and you've interviewed all three of them. You said the first guy, he says, 25 years. Been doing it 25 years. Top 10 realtor in Kamloops, 25 years. And the next guy says, yep, me too. Top 25 or top 10 realtors in the last 22 years. And, uh, and okay, so on paper, these guys are the same, right? You don't know the intimate details of them, but you say, okay, here's my house. What are we going to do? How are we going to add value? How are we going to sell it for more? Mm-hmm. That's the part I'm inter- interested in because I don't think that part has been done yet. It's easy to say, Hey, I sell for more. I negotiate better. I negotiate harder. I'm a tough cookie. Um, but If you look at two different houses on the same street and you could seed value maybe in a renovation, um, maybe in a better view, maybe in what could be to the next owner, I think you can add value monetarily, like in cash, that maybe a different realtor doesn't. Do Do you understand what I'm saying?
1: I think you have to look, you, if, if I'm understanding you correctly, you have to look at your product a little bit differently than just three, three bedrooms and a bath. What are the selling features of that house that really have to be exemplified? And if a realtor doesn't really get that, then they won't, be as, they won't get the top do- dollar for your house.
0: Yeah. So. Do you think it's odd that you only get 1,500 words to describe your home? On MLS? <laughs> you
1: know, from the consumer's perspective, yeah. I don't think they'll read more than 1,500 <laughs> words. Maybe if they had a second page that you want to blad. Chapter two. Yeah.
0: Don't, yard. don't
1: forget, <laughs> the seller loves their baby. Yeah. And, you know, the consumer, the customer just wants to read the basics. Does it have three three bedrooms mm-hmm. and bath? And the 1,500 words would probably cover it.
0: Yeah. Um, Do you think target marketing can come into it? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Um, For example, our house, uh, if I was targeting it right now with the renovations we did, we have the perfect house for anyone with uh, more of an adult child or an older teenager because it's not quite a suite downstairs, but it's a beautiful area and we, we don't have to, it gives them that freedom without being a separate suite at this time. And so that house, to me, would go with somebody with an older family. Right. Or somebody with a dog. We have a beautiful backyard for a dog. (laughs) Perfect.
0: (laughs) So you could Facebook market post that one. Yeah. Yeah. No problem.
1: And and you do. You just see what... What is what what does this some of this stuff really appeal to? What does
0: this person look like that's potentially going to buy this? How can I market to directly to them and yeah. then shift when it doesn't work? Make changes and tweak and turn and twist.
1: Somebody with a home needs a home office. I got a house for you. yeah, because you don't want that home office that is dingy in a corner. You want a home office where you're gonna spend most of your day with beautiful view with great lighting. Mm-hmm. That's a home office and that's what you you start targeting
0: right. Is there a real estate program at TRU? No. No. Not that I know of. <laughs> no. Okay. I wonder if they would get into that. I wonder if that would be a market there.
1: Well, the com- basic concepts of marketing are still apl- applicable. You could use the same strategy. Well, yeah. So, so the
0: program would have like six courses that already exist. Yeah. And then three taught by... Gina. Yeah. <laughs> well, like you'd have some, like, you could have realtors teach. I mean, mm-hmm. UBC has this program, right? But yes. it's, it's not accessible to 90% of the province. So it's just something that could be. Never know.
1: Wow real estate's going to change. I mean, you realize of course. 100%. The virtual reality is going to I if you look at that, people aren't going to leave your office for the first round. So you right. you all if it's a husband and wife and you, you all three will be sitting in your office just looking, walking through a house completely.
0: It's interesting that we have virtual reality but we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. It it I've toyed with it. We've played with it. The feedback is it's just not there yet. The 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 data doesn't show it, it's just not what people are expecting yet, but it will definitely come. Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's definitely going to happen. Yeah, yeah.
1: So that's going to stop. Uh, where you're going out most of the day, a lot of your day is actually going to be in the office with your. I sure clients. hope so. That'll change everything. <laughs> I sure it, hope so. It <laughs> is going to. Well, it's also easier on the consumer too. Yes. Yeah. You know, and then it'll move from your the realtor's office. To, you know, I would cap on this if I was the realtor. Take it to your house. You can I'll do it in your house your if, I, if I've signed up for your, your uh, real, realtor service. Right. So that I, can, I don't even have to bother you. I said, oh, I got it, number 43.
0: <laughs> Here, here's something that's happened in the States that is, is going to manipulate the way our market works is the way Zillow has controlled the data. Mm. Um, Zillow has better data and more data than the MLS service in the States in the United States. Um, So as a marketing tool, they've sort of captured the market for realtors because instead of you going on realtor.ca, you'd go on Zillow because Zillow has way more data Mm -hmm. about each listing. And then when you're looking at a property, the agent's face that's popped up on the left-hand side is the guy you call when you're like, I'm excited about this house. Mm -hmm. Like, holy cow, it's got everything, right? And... So Zillow has really... Like, if you're not paying for Zillow ads, you, you see how Zillow has manipulated that market. It's terrible from a real estate perspective because you it's just a money game. Like, who has more money to spend to get in front of, you know, if you're working this subdivision? You could be that subdivision guy. It's only going to cost you a Super Bowl ad every mm-hmm. six months, right? <laughs> Essentially, right? Um, and it ha- Zillow has not perfectly put that together in canada yet but it definitely is coming which will change our mls service Mm. which will change the the workings of the way it will work completely 100 it's coming stand by change is good change is good as long as we beat (laughs) as long as we beat the market (laughs) to the race right
1: yes well I'm still trying to figure out if they know it's coming, do you combat it? How do you, you know, anything when you see a competitor coming, can you do something about it? Or do you sit back and just wait till it happens? Right. Can the MLS service in Canada change the way they operate? Are they quick enough? Are they agile enough? You know, so to to sit here and hear you say... Too much politics. Well...
0: Politics means slow moving. this
1: is really mean? Then they deserve it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Here's an interesting story. Yeah. Um, Block Brothers, going back to Block Brothers, I recently researched the crap out of these guys because they were pretty cool. Um, they were the first real estate brokerage in, in, our, in our market to put together a color-paged binder. Mm-hmm. that you would, If you were a client of them, you'd come in on uh, October 1st and you'd get your October binder and it would have all the listings in it. It would be fairly up to date for a little while. Okay, Then MLS did that with all the brokerages. Well, that really took away the, the prestige and that was their unique selling proposition from Brothers. Yeah. So they fought it tooth and nail. Legally, they fought it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, obviously, they lost. And then we moved forward with MLS service. But I've never been one to fight anything that's going to change. I just like if it changes, then what's going to happen and then what will be the best approach?
1: That's uh, it's actually called innovation of business model. Right. Um, Alexandra, and I can never pronounce his last name, has a great videos on business models. And innovation just means if you see the industry changing, yep. instead of fighting it, yes. protecting it, how can we better it? How, where can we go with it? And that, if you look at it from that perspective, same thing. No ind- industry is immune from this. As you just said, the real estate, agent, I- I- real estate industry is going to change. Yeah. Where do we want to shape it to? is
0: into you ever, control of it. You ever read the book, Who Moved the Cheese?
1: Yes.
0: That, that reminded oh. me of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good book. I'll put the link in the, uh, in the uh, information section. It's a good book. Um, okay. That's a good podcast.
1: Okay. I appreciate you coming out We chatted a little
0: bit, a little bit about real estate, a lot about business. Yeah. Um, we definitely have something in common. I <laughs> okay. could chat forever.
1: I wonder if both of you are on the same... The same spectrum of that disc
0: a disc I think whatever. I'm an i pardon I think I'm an I, but I have a little bit of d in it oh, I can't
1: remember l- them. I use a different one
0: yeah well the so. the disc the one that I'm talking about is um, on the top left hand quadrant, which is the smallest portion of the population, mm-hmm. would be a direct, more aggressive uh, personality trait, and then on the I quadrant would be. Um, they call it inspirational, but I don't really think that's a good word for it. But it's more the creative.
1: Oh, I probably would be an I then.
0: Go getter, yeah.
1: Yeah. I the think bo- you two would be the entrepreneurs, and I would be the small
0: business owner. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with no. identifying yeah, who you not are. not at all. And being that I'd be person. comfortable there. Yeah.
1: You have to have everybody in the thing. When I teach new product development, you actually might not want the uh, uh, serial entrepreneur, ideas guy, leading the team. Right. Yeah.
0: Because you could get off on a tangent. Yeah. He got a new idea already. He's gone. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, interesting. Very interesting.
0: Execution. You need. A, you need a full package. <laughs> that's a, that's why you build a team. There you go. You yes. fill in the gaps of your team. Yeah. And that's how it works. Teamwork. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Sheena, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come visit with us today and and chat about business. Um, thank you for coming. We did get you something.
1: Oh yes! Yay! Yeah. We're yes. gonna get you
0: some. <laughs> Uh, it's a parting gift there
1: you go
0: thank you Um, again thank you I appreciate it and so do you are you is today not a work day or you got to go teach
1: I have uh, four. how many papers to mark 25 papers to mark but uh, no I don't teach today I'm marking today don't you just contract that stuff out (laughs) oh I wish I wish you know what I'm reading interviews with sales reps
0: (laughs) oh excellent oh yeah
1: so they are very interesting you get a really interesting perspective.
0: On a a final note, and I'll make a big gap there so I can edit it out if I need to, Um, is there a lot like an art of negotiating with your teacher, with your professors?
1: Um, To some extent, but not really. You put a uh, rubrics of how you're going to mark this, and most of the time, unless the unless the student really disagrees with you they you know they they don't push back but sometimes i mean when you're reading so many you might have missed things i did add that right but no for the most part there's not really that negotiation
0: i never got an a in anything in high school elementary school in university i got straight a's and i negotiated all of my marks that ones that were like multiple choice, there's not much negotiating to be done, right? But <laughs> if you're writing a paper, and it's perceived incorrectly, yeah, y- it, you can get out of context. And it, I, I seem to not connect with a lot of my professors.
1: They are very subjective a little bit uh, on the thing. So, what is an insight or reflecting on what you learned? What does that really mean? There yeah. is some subjective point there, but I, I'm reading eighty, 80 of them, right. so you get a feeling for which ones, you know. Gay.
0: Plus, you're probably mm-hmm. in a little more. Graduated program like if, if you were in like First year anything I can remember like I, I wrote a paper And it was about A hockey player And I had a professor Who didn't know Anything about hockey She didn't get The whole paper Yeah So she marked it Incorrectly Because she just Didn't get it I had to like Literally explain The process of a puck And a stick I thought everybody <laughs> Knew hockey But not everyone, so going to a D to an A, this is like my highlight there.
1: Yeah. Okay, please don't, if students are listening to this, please don't start negotiating, you're great.
0: <laughs> no, there's no time for negotiations. Sheena, again, once again, thank you, I appreciate okay, it. Okay, thank you. And there we'll, we'll call it quits. Anytime. <laughs> call Parker Bennett now for your complimentary home evaluation.